nobody wants to hear from somebody who's like, yep, another perfect night of smoking hot sex. (laughs) It's like, yeah, you feel more connected to us when we show you our humanity. Hello and welcome to the Pillow Talks podcast. We're your hosts, Vanessa and Xander Marin. I'm a sex therapist with over 20 years of experience. And I'm just a regular dude. We share the ups and downs in our relationship while giving you step-by-step techniques for improving yours. Make sure you subscribe for your weekly double date full of totally doable sex tips, practical relationship advice, hilarious and honest stories of what really goes on behind closed bedroom doors, and so much more. It's the sex education you wish you'd had. All right, it is time to ask us anything. Anything. I'm thinking of something. You hate my air horn. No, I love it. I really have to work on it. It's kind of like a love cringe face situation. I really need to work on it. I was trying to think of like... A game show. Isn't there some sort of game show where it's like, time to da 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 da? Like, name that that tune. Probably every game show ever. (laughs) Well, today it's our game show. We decided to do something different for this week's podcast episode. A couple of weeks ago, we released our child free episode, The Truth About Why We Are Child Free. If you have not listened to that episode, Pause this one and go listen to that one. Cause it- yeah, don't even listen to this episode. <laughs> Screw it. What a terrible, such a terrible, I was about to be like, it's way better. We haven't even recorded this. Wow. Jesus. It was a really good episode. That's what I was trying to say. It was. It was a really good episode. We got, not only did we get a lot of great feedback, it very quickly, probably on day one, became our most listened to podcast episode by a lot yeah by a lot majorly by a country mile (laughs) oh okay in that episode we got really personal the most vulnerable we've ever gotten in a podcast episode and we really shared our story of what we thought about kids how we had these conversations early in our relationship what we ended up deciding later in our relationship some tears were shed some tears were shed and we just got so many wonderful messages from you our beloved community of people saying they just really appreciated getting to know us better and hearing our story and so we thought you know what let's do a more personal episode Let's kind of get into it with a little Ask Us Anything. So if you don't follow us on Instagram, every Sunday we do Ask Us Anything and we do a combination of like, ask us whatever you want. It can be questions about us. It can be questions about you, like wanting advice. Mm -hmm. It's always, you know, one of our favorite days of the week. It always ends up being a lot of fun. And we thought, you know what? Let's turn it into a podcast episode. Yeah, because the reality is when we're doing Instagram stories, there's only so much you can say. I mean, I guess you could do like 16 slides on some random thing, but like, like, you know, Instagram kind of lends itself to more short and snappy yeah. little bites of what's going on in your life. And on the podcast, we can actually talk about something and, you know, exactly. more. it's like, you know, I feel like Instagram is like you can talk in complete sentences. And in the podcast, we can talk in complete paragraphs. Exactly. That's a nice way of saying it. Yeah. yeah I mean, sometimes we get these really big questions and we're like trying to figure out how to answer this in one slide on Instagram. I'm like cramming all the text and it's very small. So we thought, let's let her rip today. Yeah, let her rip. 
more will actually go into the questions. So these are all questions that were taken from Instagram. We put up a question box asking you guys what you wanted to know about us. And we actually decided to do do something different as well. At by, the last minute. At the last minute. I, we were like looking through the questions and I was adding some other ones that we had gotten. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to order the questions and I'm going to surprise Xander. So he doesn't know all of the questions that I'm going to ask today. Nope. And he doesn't know the order of them. We're just going to catch him on the fly a little bit. Great. I love how every week in the podcast, you try to catch me off guard with <laughs> the emojis and now it's the questions. Yeah. Great. It's just one big test for you. How will Xander do? Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of emojis. Yeah. Speaking of emojis, it's time for the review of the week. Best sex <laughs> I've ever had. Yes. Wow. Listening to our podcast is the best sex you've ever had. <laughs> I've been listening for about two months now and it has opened so many new and amazing doors for my and my partner's sex life. We've always been curious about butt stuff, but we were scared to try it. We had so many questions, but no one to ask. This podcast tackled the truths, myths, gave step-by-step -step instructions, and talked about things nobody else does surrounding butt stuff. Mm. It gave me so much confidence and has led to the best sex I have ever had. Wow. Wow. No emojis, but amazing feedback. Yeah. We, we love to hear that. You could also go listen to the Butt Stuff episode. Another one of our very uh, uh, early yeah, pause, popular. Pause this one and go listen yeah, to a that. A very early popular episode. <laughs> I get nervous with the personal episodes because I have a hang up where I think that nobody really cares. And I'm like, nobody's going to want to listen to this. They don't want to hear our story. This is boring. I got to get over it. Yeah. It's a limiting you do. belief. You do, lady. <laughs> Just don't listen to this episode. Don't listen to it. We haven't even recorded it yet, but Just I'm already telling you not don't, to listen to it. Don't listen to Vanessa. Listen to me. <laughs> listen to this episode. It's going to be good. But speaking of reviews, we just want to thank you so much for writing reviews. I know it might not seem like a big deal, but seriously, we have learned as we've launched this podcast that reviews are the best way for a podcast to grow. We cannot grow without you guys leaving reviews, sharing the episodes, leaving ratings of it. So we just appreciate it so much. We do a little giveaway every week where we ask you to write your review in Apple Podcasts. Now you can actually leave ratings in Spotify too. Yeah. So do that as well. Yes, Because that's awesome. <laughs> but how it works with the review of the week is leaving a written review in Apple Podcasts. We pick a review of the week every week. We read it in the podcast. And if you are picked, you can come over to Instagram at Vanessa Marin Therapy and tell us what's going on with your life. We will give you a mini coaching session. So you can ask a question. We will send you back a personalized response. And it's just our little way of saying thank you for taking the time, helping us grow. And we appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> All, All right, right. So I have I have put away my podcast notes on the screen. Mm -hmm. I'm just looking at our recording software now. Let so her rip, go. babe. It, I'm kind of looking at these two and I'm like, some of these questions are ones that I have to answer. So I guess oh, yeah. I'm going <laughs> to ask and answer myself sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, let's get into the first question. How did you guys meet? Well, I was 22 Vanessa mm -hmm. was 23. I was fresh out of college. I moved up to San Francisco with a couple of my friends right after college. We rented a real piece of shit four bedroom house or oh, yeah. flat, not a house. It was like An a apartment. floor. It was a floor of like a three story, like old Victorian house in San Francisco. 
the big yellow house. And uh, we were having a Christmas party. So like I had basically been out of college, graduated in May, I think. And this was now December. Uh, Christmas party at my house. I was DJing. One of my friends came over and he was dating a girl who was friends with Vanessa. And so Vanessa had come with uh, his girlfriend. My friend Darius was like, hey, you see that see that girl Vanessa with Juliet? Like, uh, she thinks you're cute. And I was like, oh, yeah, she's pretty cute, too. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, yes, I had been dragged to this party. I did not want to go out. I was actually, like, on my way home. And Juliet was like, no, please come with me. Like, Darius is there. They were just starting to date. She wanted a little wing woman. So I finally agreed. At the same time, she was telling me, hey, do you see that guy over there? He thinks you're really cute. She's just trying to find excuses for you to stay longer, I'm sure. (laughs) Well, we found out much later that neither one of us had said anything. Like, I had not said that Xander was cute. Xander had not said that I was cute. Well, I mean, I did once once he said something to me. I was like, yeah, she's pretty cute. I'll talk to her. And our two friends had not coordinated with each other, which is pretty wild. Like, independently, they had each decided to try to set us up somehow. So that's really wild. But yeah, I went, snuck behind the DJ booth. I knew the song Xander was playing, started flirting with him, and it was game on. Led to the longest, hottest makeout session (laughs) of our life. Hope to never repeat that again. (laughs) All right. So the next question is for me. I was shocked to hear you say that Xander has never seen you pee. So this was actually from the Child Free episode. I very casually, like offhandedly mentioned, Xander's never seen me pee. It was like one tiny little moment in a very emotional podcast episode. But so many people clung to that. And they're like, what on earth? Xander has never seen you pee. How is that possible? Well, it's actually not possible because... Actually, I have come very close to seeing UP. I think the closest I came was very, very, very early in our relationship at the hospital. Oh, yes. Yeah. Vanessa got a really bad UTI and ended mm-hmm. up in the hospital. It was probably we'd been dating maybe like three months or something. Yeah. I and had to call my parents. Yeah, like and I, tell I, had to, I had to call on. Vanessa's parents and <laughs> explain that she's in the hospital with a UTI presumably because I'm having sex with her. And uh, yeah, it was bad. Vanessa had like 100, 405 degree fever. It was really fever. bad. Like she had to get transferred from urgent care to the emergency room and they were IVing her with fluids. And so pretty soon she needed to use the bathroom a lot. She could barely walk. <laughs> and I was like, I'm coming in the bathroom with you. This is so dangerous. No, you can't come in the bathroom with me. <laughs> okay, that's a very extreme story to start this off with. But the truth about this is it's really not that extreme. Like, I don't feel that strongly. It's not a shame thing like, oh my God, he could never see that happen. I don't really care about it. But it just, for me, like bathroom time is my private time. I like to shut the door. I like to just be in there for a moment. I'm very quick. I don't like hang out and linger the way that you do. But I don't linger when I pee. <laughs> okay, well, I don't linger <laughs> when I pee. ever when I'm doing any of my business. But I just like that to be my private time. I don't yeah. really like care to have you see me, especially not for pooping. But I want to be super clear. Like this is no shade on anybody else. We've actually heard, you know, people in our Instagram community have said like, I love being able to pee and poop in front of my partner because it feels like intimacy to yeah. me. Like it feels like we're so comfortable with each other that we don't care about these things. There's no shame. And I think that's beautiful. And 
wonderful. And I yep. love that for you. <laughs> so for me, it's not about a sense of shame. Like, that's why it's sort of weird to start with this extreme story because like, <laughs> yes, that was very early in the relationship and I was like, I don't want you to see me like this. So yeah, there back was, then there was it was like, it's then, too early sure. in our relationship yeah. <laughs> for you to be doing this. And I was like, I really care about you. I don't want you to fall yeah. over and like have a concussion on top of this. Yeah. So now it is not about that, but it's just like, I just like to have privacy. I like you to have your privacy. People asked a bunch of follow-up questions like, well, has Xander ever peed in front of you? All the time. Every day. You love to with the door open you're just like i'm doing it yeah so you know i think <laughs> that i initially did not pee in front of you and then i i believe you expressed some <laughs> some intrigue at uh pissing pissing with a dick and um what vulva owner hasn't and like how you know, does this work i think that you're a bit intrigued by it <laughs> You know, I mean, it's obviously it's different, like a guy peeing standing up versus, you know, a vulva owner sitting down on a toilet. Like when you're sitting on a toilet, it's not you can't really like see what's happening. Mm. It's, you know, it's, I don't feel like I'm missing anything. I have a pretty good idea of what it would look like. I'm not feeling like I'm missing anything. Um, then again, you know, I was, I think, initially sort of out of respect, like I closed the door as well. And then you were like, I don't care about you at all closing the door. And so I was like, all right, whatever, I won't. <laughs> So now he talks to me all the time. I, I see it all the time. So, but the I'm other really the care, other but, thing, yeah. Oh, the other thing I was gonna say is that ha where we have happened to live, we've never been in a situation where like we have a single bathroom where like we, we need did to in be Berlin. Oh, I guess that's true. But we just never. I maybe you don't take like out. You don't like spend like a long time like I doing know, makeup I don't and linger. stuff. <laughs> Or I mean, like getting oh, ready. I'm, I'm saying like we never ran, we never really ran into scenarios where it was like, oh my God, I got to pee so bad. And you're like, I still have an hour left doing my whatever. <laughs> How long do you think women take to get ready? I don't know. Some people take longer than others. I'm not, no, no judgment. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying, you know, like, let's say that you had a super long, like hair and skincare and makeup routine. I don't know. I'm just saying that we would run into more issues of like, oh my God, I got to get in there. But the reality is we've never had that problem. Yeah. All right. Never thought I'd talk about pee for so long, but there's that. Next question. How often do we have sex? You'll never know. <laughs> You'll never know. You look so smug right now. <laughs> okay, We're so doing it right now, believe it or not. This is one of the few questions that we have consciously decided that we will not answer. It's always been like from the very beginning of our work. That and do you have kids? Those are the two most commonly asked questions that we get. We like, obviously answer day. the kid question. <laughs> yeah. But we decided early on, we're like, how often we have sex? Like people are so curious about like, what's the normal amount of sex and what's healthy and what am I supposed to be having? And we really see people get fixated on sexual frequency in a way that we don't think is helpful. Like the reality is how often you have sex is so not important. It's so much more about the quality of the sex that you're having. Are you having the kind of sex that you want to be having? Is it for both of you? Are you able to communicate about it? Are you exploring new things? Like those things are so much more important than just frequency. There is the tendency, like when we share stuff about our personal lives, 
I think a lot of times people do interpret that to be like, that's the right answer. Yeah. And, and like, we've we've learned to become really sensitive about this because we want to be really clear, like, whatever it is that we do in our relationship, our life, that is not the objective right thing. There are oh, yeah. a lot of things that we do that would not work for other people. And yeah, we don't want to be sending that message to people of like, well, this is what we do. So this is the right thing. And this is what you should be doing. That's just not our style. Yeah, and I think this also gets at sort of, I'll call it the magic bullet dynamic in society where we want so badly for like health stuff, for sex stuff, we want there to be like that magic bullet or like that magic pill where it's like, all I need to do is take this one thing and all of a sudden all these big problems I'm having or these things that are really challenging or hard to talk about, they'll just go away. I won't need to talk about it. I won't need to put in work. I won't need to put in effort or time. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just going to do this one thing and everything is going to change. And, you know, we talk about with sex that, yeah, quality matters so much more than quantity. But the problem is a lot of people don't love hearing that because if you're talking about quality of sex and you want to improve that, you got to talk about it. You got to practice. You got to put in effort. You got to try new things. It's it's a taller order than mm-hmm. like, is there a number? Like if we could get to this number, then can we maybe just never have to talk about it, never have to do <laughs> any yeah. more work? And I think it's a mental shortcut that we all take. I find myself taking it all the time. Like whenever I go to the doctor or something and have my blood work done, it's like if I come out low in something, they're like, oh, you should take this whatever supplement to get these, you know, your vitamin D levels up or something. There's a part of my brain that goes, oh my God, maybe I'm going to take that vitamin D supplement (laughs) and all of a sudden I'm going to have so much more energy. I'm not going to be as sore or like, you know, whatever. Vitamin D, it's it's really good. Yeah, I know. It's the secret to my health and happiness. Yeah, you get get that that vitamin D. Vitamin D every, oh wait, no, I'm not going to say how often. (laughs) You almost got me. (laughs) So, I mean, the doctor told me I had to take vitamin D every day. Just listening to my doctor. And actually, a sadly, a dia day. A dia day keeps the doctor away. <laughs> no, but you know what? For me, I'm going to be totally honest. I'm not exaggerating. I am low in vitamin D. I just had my <laughs> blood work done. And I started taking a vitamin D supplement, the exact amount the doctor recommended. And it gives me a headache. <laughs> it gives me a headache and it sucks. So for me, a, a dia day <laughs> does not keep the doctor away. I got to take less, apparently. I'm a sensitive flower. Oh my god, that's another sweatshirt. But anyway, I just I just wanted to say how common it is for that mental shortcut to come up. Of like, I know that to fix this problem or to get better in this area, it's gonna take time. It's gonna take effort. But maybe there's that one one little switch I can flip that's gonna have a huge impact. And sorry, the reality is that that does not work. Like all this stuff takes time and effort and work there's no one thing or what no one number that's magically gonna fix everything yeah all right but we will spill a little bit of tea because i know that people are curious so here's what i will say we do have a lot of sex but we put a lot of effort into having high quality sex that we actually want to have we're really not focused on the frequency we don't track it we're not like you know trying to hit this certain quota like we really focus on having sex that feels enjoyable Yes. So there's a lot of effort that goes into our sex life. There's another question about kind of along the same line. So we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but we also, 
each challenge ourselves to really make sex a priority. Like we don't just wait for the desire to strike. We are not like waiting around for it to just be spontaneous and magical and effortless and perfect. Like we both put a lot of effort into it. So we have a good amount of connection with each other. Yeah, one of the things that I've, I've kind of always known this, but like has really been driven home to me in my own experience more recently is that the best sex that we have comes at very random times. Oh, yeah. Very random times. Oftentimes, a time when I'm like, wasn't totally feeling it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a bit tired. And like, we start making out a little. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess maybe I could do this. And it's like, well, bam. Like, <laughs> amazing <laughs> sex. Amazing <laughs> orgasm. And that's one of those really great lessons for me is that it's like, yeah, the best times for me are not the times that I'm like, super horny and like, oh my God, I got to get it. <laughs> I know. It's, it's I love the, you know, it's, it's, it's the random, you know, and it's not always those random times. Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't, but that mm-hmm. helps me prioritize it. Cause I go, Hey, you never know when the best time ever is going to be. It might be next time. Yeah. Next question. What's your employment history? What led you to where you are today? Oh, let me pull out my resume. Well, okay. So no, just kidding. Like I said, I graduated from college right before I met Vanessa. I studied government and psychology. And now before Mm -hmm. you say, oh my God, Xander's been tricking us this whole time. He's not a regular (laughs) dude. He did study psychology. I don't know if if you've ever taken psychology at a university and seen the range of psychology courses. There's like a really wide variety. I did nothing close to anything clinical. It was like organizational psychology, which is essentially consulting. I went into HR consulting, worked at a big firm for four years. It was kind of hell. Then I went, got a job at Google working in their HR, doing HR and analytics. And I I really thought that I was going to be doing stuff like that my whole life. I was really good at it. After I quit Google, I ended up kind of having some consulting clients on the side, but I quit corporate America after about eight years. Um, I was feeling burned out. Vanessa was starting to build this business up. And I was like, man, I would love to do something like that, but I have no idea how I could ever do that. I, I never felt the motivation to be an entrepreneur myself. I kind of struggled in school to stay motivated. So I just thought that I would always work for someone my whole life, but I took some time off. I started doing a couple projects for Vanessa here and there, (laughs) and one thing led to another, and here I am, like uh, co-HBIC. Hell yeah, co-HBIC. So there's another question that was kind of closely related to this one that's more for me. People are always asking, they're like, you say that you have 20 years of experience in sex therapy. How old were you when you started? Yeah, this is a really good one. I find myself wondering this too. I'd like do the math in my head. I'm like, (laughs) God, like people are not going to believe this, but it really is true. So yeah, tell us how that came to be. I started when I was 18. It's not a complicated answer. I knew that I wanted to be a sex therapist. So I started doing like research and internships. Like they weren't glamorous jobs. And I wasn't like a sex therapist myself. But I was researching in the sex therapy field, getting an educational. Yeah, you were like interning for sex therapists. Yeah, and doctors and research projects, like all kinds of stuff. So I started at 18 um, and I continued doing that stuff like throughout college. I will say I took a little bit of a break after college because I did not know how to go about setting up this career. I'd worked so long and so hard doing like education and research and internships and all this kind of stuff. And then when it came time to like, all right, now you're on your own. I was like, I don't know what to do. So I had two jobs in between. I This was when, when we met. 
Yeah, basically I was like a receptionist for a consulting firm. It was very unglamorous. I did a lot of stapling, collating. <laughs> I remember when we, when we met, I, you really talked it up to me. I think you were like, oh, this guy actually works, at, is, is a consultant. And you, you kind of talked up your job. And then afterwards, you're like, that was the worst fucking job I've ever I, had. If anybody knows me from these days, I'm sorry. I was a terrible employee. <laughs> I was really struggling. I was lost. I didn't know, like I knew what I wanted to do and I had all this experience and I just didn't know how to create a business with it. And I was 22 years old and feeling like a loser because I don't know, like what am I doing with my life? It's funny the pressures that we put on ourselves when we're such babies, but Also yeah. back then, I don't think you ever envisioned it would turn into this kind of business. No, I was still thinking maybe I would want to be a doctor. Uh, I was pre-med in college. And so I didn't get the psychology idea until several years later. And even like it was like, oh, either a doctor or a psychologist that has, you know, a brick and mortar private practice. Yeah, that was sort of the pinnacle of what you might be. Yeah. So uh, I worked as a receptionist. And then I worked as like a marketing associate for another company that shall not be named. Uh, And then I got it together and went back to grad school. So. You always had it together. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, I've been researching sex and talking about sex probably since I was, like, 13. But we'll count 18 was, like, the first official internship. All right, next question. How did you propose? Oh, boy. You know, this is one of those ones where if I could go back, I would do it a little differently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'll, I'll I'll acknowledge that. So let me do a little bit of the setup okay. here. So Thanks. basically, one of the help things me that- <laughs> out. Help me out. Make me look a little better. <laughs> so we had had a lot of open conversations in our relationship about marriage, and we had been really clear with each other about like we don't want to do all the traditional like you're supposed to do it this way because that's how everybody does it kind of thing. Like especially around the ring. Like I was thinking, I was like, I'm wearing this ring for the rest of my life. I want to love it. I think it's a lot of pressure to put on you to just like find the magic perfect ring without, of course, like I wanted to be surprised and like, oh my God, he just knows me so well. He got me this beautiful, perfect ring. But I was like, that's not realistic. So we made the conscious decision. We're like, we're going to get engaged. I think we even told our parents like, we're going to get engaged. And they're like, well, but are you engaged? We're like, not yet, but we're going to. Yeah, I mean, uh, we must have told them that we were shopping for rings, yeah. especially because we ended up, we bought a diamond online. Yeah, so we went shopping for rings together. I picked out what I wanted the ring to look like. We shopped for a diamond online because we were being budget conscious. And oh, there something. is. Yeah, if you are if you are in the market, don't go to a <laughs> ring store and like buy a ring with a preset stone like do not do it you can do so much better oh yeah for the same price or less yeah so i was a part of the whole ring process i basically had told xander like i would like you to ask me but i don't want a whole big thing about it like i don't want to like give any examples because i don't want to make anybody feel bad if you wanted a big elaborate proposal all the power to you. I love that. I just knew that that wasn't something for me that I wanted. Yeah, I think you were clear, like, I don't need it to be like a big surprise thing where there's like a videographer hiding behind a bush. All our friends jump out and it's like, surprise! Yeah. Honestly, like my ideal dream proposal would have been we wake up on like Sunday morning and you just like pull the ring out and we're like, I want to have every Sunday morning with you. Well, the reality was <laughs> we were quite close to that, but not quite. I think if I had been able to wait like 48 hours, we would have probably 
had a pretty close to ideal proposal. So here's what happened. Um, we bought a stone online and then brought it to a jeweler and had it set in a ring. And um, we had a trip to Hawaii planned. It was looking like the ring would be ready before the trip to Hawaii. And so it was kind of like, okay, well, Vanessa is assuming that I'm going to propose to her in Hawaii because, you know, that would be pretty damn romantic, right? <laughs> I wanted to do that too. I think that we were like one to two days out from leaving and uh, it was probably like four o'clock. I was at work and I get a call from the jeweler and they're like, the ring is ready. I had like, I think a bunch of errands I was supposed to run on my way home from work. Mall. And I was like, there is no way I can get the ring. And, you know, this is like, I, we lived in San Francisco. I didn't have a car. I'm like taking the, <laughs> the, the bus around, like <laughs> trying to get to various places that are not convenient to get to. This is pre-Uber, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, I'm basically like, all right, whatever. I'm just going to go pick up this ring. And I was like, once I had the ring in my hand, oh, my God. Like, I've never had this much, like responsibility <laughs> like in one hand it's this is this is so much money in my hand oh my god how am i gonna wait a couple of days like i'm gonna have to hide this ring i don't know where i'm gonna put it what if i lose it it's, i built it up to be this really big scary thing and i was like you know what i've already kind of deceived vanessa she thinks that i'm running all these errands when in reality i was waiting for like an hour at the dumb jeweler to get the ring handed to me so i was like you know what I'm just going to pretend that I have a bag full of this stuff that I was supposed to get on my errands. I'm going to hand it to Vanessa and be like, oh, look, here's what I got. And then the ring will be at the bottom of the bag. And then I'll propose right then. Because I was like, there's no way that I can act normal for the next couple of days knowing I have this ring. I was so excited and scared, <laughs> even though I knew you were going to say yes. And so, <laughs> yeah, I handed Vanessa this bag. She Wait, okay. So the big missing part of the story is that we were supposed to go to a friend's birthday party that night. So Xander was late and came in the door. And so I was like at the house getting super cranky about like, oh my God, we're late to our friend's birthday party. Like what is going on? So he hands me the bag and I'm already cranky with him. <laughs> Great, a and recipe for success. I'm like looking through it and there, I think there was something that you were supposed to get that you didn't get. And so of course that's the one thing that I'm like, where's the da 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 And then I see the box at the bottom of the bag. And then I was down on my knee mm -hmm. and I proposed. And I said yes, and we cried, and it was very lovely and nice. But And then yeah. we went to a party and got to tell a bunch of people. <laughs> we sort of like, ruined his birthday. It was not very nice, actually. No, was it a birthday party? I feel like it yeah. was maybe like Passover or something like that. I don't know. We, we stole a little bit of thunder. We tried. We didn't make like stand up and make a big announcement no. or anything like that, but people obviously like saw the ring on my hand. We're like, yeah, we're engaged. But anyways, I mean, it was not the perfect proposal. It was not a fairy tale, beautiful proposal, but... I like sharing our story because I think we build up all this pressure in our heads of like, I'm going to be telling this story for the rest of my life and it has to be perfect. And if it wasn't a good proposal, like what does that say about the marriage and all this stuff? And it's like, you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. And again, like if you want a large, elaborate proposal, that's great. And like, I hope yeah. that you get to have the exact proposal that you want, but it's okay if it's not perfect. Like I don't look back at it and think like, oh God, I hate my proposal story. Or, you know, I don't like when people ask me what happened. It's just like, yeah, it's kind of a funny little story. It's not exactly how I would have wanted it to happen, but that's okay. And it's our story. Yeah. And I think the nice thing is that, you know, over the years, we've been able to have on our anniversaries and stuff almost you know like more exciting surprises like surprise trips or you know 
fancy hotels or stuff like that, where it's not like the most exciting thing that's ever happened to yeah. us was this one time years and years and years ago when yeah. I proposed. Like there's exactly. sort of like always more to look forward to. All right. Does sex ever feel like work since it's your career? Do you feel pressured to have an amazing sex life? This is a really interesting question. We get this question a lot. This is maybe like the third most popular question <laughs> that we get. And it's funny because I never really understand the premise of this question. I mean, I guess it's testament to like how I do view our sex life and then our work. I don't really view them as intertwined, especially because we don't we don't talk about how much sex we have. I think that if our we're not giving like play by yeah. plays of like every night, like okay, here's what happened last night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if that's what our Instagram account was about, then we might be getting into some sketchy territory where our sex life does feel like work. It feels like what we do for work and our sex life, like they're synergistic, but they're not intertwined. Yeah, I would agree. And I think the goal of our business is not to tell you, like, here's how to have a perfect sex life where it's always sexy and hot and amazing and spontaneous. Yeah, we're not, like, we're not sex influencers. <laughs> sex influencers. Sex fluencers. I mean, we sort of are. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the point of our work is to help real everyday couples have really special sex lives. And that doesn't mean perfect. We want you to be able to, like, make mistakes in the bedroom and have something go wrong and be able to talk about it afterwards and not feel like the world is over. Like it's just, it's not about reaching this ideal of perfection. So I never feel that pressure of like our sex life has to be perfect because I'm not trying to teach anybody else how to have a perfect sex life. And also I think that the thing that people really relate with <laughs> is like when we share stories of how our sex life isn't perfect, moments that we get awkward or something funny happens in the bedroom or Xander initiated and I wasn't in the mood. Nobody wants to hear from somebody who's like, yep, another perfect night of smoking hot sex. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you feel more connected to us when we show you our humanity. And I, that word, I think, is like the most central thing that comes up for me is like humanity. Perfection's never the goal. I'm not perfect. I'm not even going to strive to be perfect. I don't want you to strive to be perfect. Let's just be humans in the bedroom. So yeah. yeah, for me, it never feels like a sense of pressure at all. And I also don't feel like I'm like having sex with you in order to have something to talk about in our business or like, you know, it's like yeah. that's our sex life and we get to talk about it in our career, but they feel separate to me in that. Although I will say there was something that I did yesterday. Oh, that was for work. Okay. What, what was it? <laughs> I, I was actually about to bring up another thing that we did for work, but you do yours first. Okay. So yesterday I was giving you a blowjob and I had to try out the technique of <laughs> putting it under my tongue. <laughs> because a couple of weeks ago on Instagram, we had a story about like, what's the funniest sex tip that you tried out and it just went horribly awry. And we shared, like somebody said, oh, I thought you were supposed to put the dick under your tongue during a blowjob. And we were like, what the hell? No. And then we got a bunch of DMs from people saying like, no, I do this. And like, that's what I thought you're supposed to do. Or no, or like people saying, no, this is why I do it. It works really well for me. Yeah. So I, I had to try it out and it did not work. I mean, maybe we, no, it wasn't, it wasn't. <laughs> It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. There were some other extenuating circumstances <laughs> yesterday. I would like to try it again. To me, it just, well, because people were saying they're like, oh, the reason that it works is because it fools the guy into thinking that he's deep throating and he's like hitting the back of your throat. But I was like, I don't. 
I have a large tongue, but I could get you like one inch in under my tongue. I was like, yeah, this like, is not fooling anybody. Yeah, who are you fooling? Vander does not this? think that he's hitting the back of my throat right now. Like his penis is. <laughs> yeah, like, like I can I can see how far in it in her mouth it is. <laughs> it's barely in there. <laughs> okay, well, I just have the tiniest <laughs> little throat. <laughs> I have a shallow throat. <laughs> Your lady voice I'm just, just slays a me. <laughs> little girl with a tiny throat. Oh my god, Jesus! All right, what were you gonna say though? Oh, I was gonna say, you know, I think the last time that I really thought of our work, work translating into the bedroom was when we were putting together the sex positions playbook and we needed to test out a number (laughs) of positions or, you know, try like, Oh, is this one worth putting in the playbook? And, um, that was fun. Mm -hmm. That was a lot of fun. However, I can imagine that if we were putting out products like that constantly, if our business was built around like sex position of the week membership or something like that, it was all about like needing to needing to, me, to create honestly. new stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think the I think the reality is it probably would be fun. But I'm saying I could see how if that was like constantly we had a backlog of like oh my god there's like 20 <laughs> positions we gotta try and we're behind schedule then yeah. it would start could maybe start to feel tedious but right. i don't think that's not the direction we're going necessarily all right this next question is pretty closely related to the last one but i think it's interesting on its own does talking about sex all the time make you want to have less of it very interesting interesting wording because I would actually flip this one around and say, I really firmly believe that the secret to having really good and probably more sex is to talk about it. And I find in my experience, us doing this for work, I actually probably have more sex Mm -hmm. or want to have more (laughs) sex because we're talking about it, because it feels really like it doesn't feel scary to initiate sex. Or if I'm feeling a little horny, like, like, hey, you want (laughs) to take a call, you know, take a little break and... (laughs) head over to the bedroom or somewhere else. (laughs) Yeah. I think that this is a funny example of the weird ways that a scarcity mindset can come creeping into our brains. I think a lot of people seem to think that talking about stuff takes away the specialness of it. Like we've even gotten questions before of like, oh, do you say I love you every day? That makes it it mean less if you say it all the time. For me, absolutely not. Like talking about it does not make me want it less or does not take away the specialness of it. Like talking about it keeps it top of mind for me and it makes it feel like you and I are like flirting with each other. There's this sexual energy that we keep alive and going and simmering all throughout the day. I mean, I really think that that has been the key. Even I will say like, once you started joining me on Instagram and we started doing stories together every single day, like about a year and a half ago, our sex life got so much better right around then, too. Oh, yeah. That was a huge turning point, uh, you know, in a lot of ways in our relationship. And and I will acknowledge I did struggle before that because I was struggling with my own sex drive for a long time. I was struggling with like, what is it that I really want? How do I show up as a man in our relationship? There was a bit of a challenge where I was like, I know what Vanessa would say for work, but I don't necessarily feel like I'm doing that myself. And and really the reality was once I got out there and we started just talking about it 
and I kind of started like living in the truth of what we were talking about, mm -hmm. that's when everything changed for yeah. me. And, and I think we hear from a lot of people who say like, my partner is always trying to talk about sex. I just want him to stop. It bothers me. And I, I think the reality is, is like, yeah, if you feel uncomfortable, talking about sex, if you feel some shame in your sex life or you mm -hmm. haven't kind of worked through certain issues, then yeah, hearing people talk about it or the prospect of just talking about it more feels really icky. And it's like, oh God, that's gonna make me want it less. But I think once you kind of can get through any shame or hangups or whatever that you're having, then talking about it is really great. Then it doesn't diminish anything, it adds to it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we just believe so strongly in the power of talking about your sex life. That's why we're writing a whole book about yep. it for Simon & Schuster. All right, next question. Do you get jealous of other relationships? So I'll give you a minute to think about this one because I think you might need a minute <laughs> to think about it. Maybe I put you a little too on the spot with this one. And so I'll answer it first and say, like, for me personally, I don't ever get jealous of other people's relationships because I believe so deeply in our uniqueness. And in all of us, different things work for different people and in different relationships. I don't think that there's any one right or best way to do anything in relationships. You know, when I see another couple, I just don't compare myself to them because it just feels so different. I just think like, hey, whatever it is that's working for them, that's awesome. I love that. And it may or may not work for me. But like ultimately, I think our business really exists to bring more love into the world. And so when mm -hmm. I see love in the world, I'm just happy for other people. I've struggled with jealousy in other ways, you know, and I know like especially with social media, it's really easy to look at everybody's highlight reel and just think like, oh my God, what a perfect, amazing life they have. I mean, I've looked at people's houses or like people flying private off to these super luxury vacations and been like, hmm, that looks nice. You know, I don't look at other people's relationships and think like, oh my God, at this. they just look so much better than we do. I just don't, I don't know. I don't compare in that way. I don't really either. I feel pretty similarly to what you just said. I think that, yeah, jealousy doesn't crop up for me very often. When it does, it tends to be more around like things like, oh, those pe it looks like those people just got a really nice house or went on a really nice trip or something. And that's still, it's a pretty rare thing for me. I, I just, yeah, I feel like what we have is really special and really unique. I can't really imagine it <laughs> any other way. And so, yeah, I feel really secure and confident. And, you know, when I do notice any kind of jealousy coming up about like somebody else's like business success or like other other thing like that, mm -hmm. I just I see that as an opportunity to be like, oh, huh, like there's something maybe that I'm not feeling so comfortable with. And like, is there a way that I could go about adding more and more of that in my life? Is there a way that, you know, like, oh, I'm jealous of someone going on this trip? Like, oh, well, I could, I, you know, maybe... It's time for me to start planning a trip somewhere cool. <laughs> That's the best reframe that I've ever heard of jealousy is thinking about jealousy is like instead of being angry or upset at that person for evoking jealousy in you, could you instead look at it as like this person is showing me what's possible? Yeah. If you're getting jealous about somebody having like a big, beautiful home, it's like, no, that they're just showing you. Look at what's possible. Look at what kind of homes are out there. And obviously there are like much more complex issues around yeah. You know, there are a lot of systemic issues that go into this. But I think 
looking at it that way of like, what is this person showing me? What is it evoking in me? Because jealousy is a pretty shitty feeling. Yeah, because I think it's really easy when you feel that feeling of jealousy to go the other way and be like, I don't want that. Like Mm -hmm. as a way of justifying to yourself, like why you shouldn't feel jealous of like, oh, well, I wouldn't want to go on a trip like that because that's so excessive or that's, Mm -hmm. I don't, that country sucks (laughs) or whatever, you know, like just finding some way to rationalize like why what you are doing or what you have or what you don't have is better than that other person. But yeah, I I just try to look at it as like, oh, huh, it's feeling like that's something that maybe I want. So what are ways that I could go about having some of that in my life? And I will say too, like we have gotten messages from people saying like, oh, I'm so jealous of your relationship. And like, I just want to be super clear that we're not setting ourselves out there as the gold standard. I mean, it's like what I said a little bit earlier, like the things that we choose to do in our relationship, we do not think they're objectively right or everybody should be copying us. And like, you should want to have a relationship just like ours. Like there are plenty of dynamics of our relationship that you could plop two other people into this relationship and they would hate it, you yeah. know? Oh, or like- <laughs> absolutely. Like, yeah, I think there are a lot of people, if you just did exactly what we do, you might be bored. And I think like some ladies get jealous of you and they're like, oh, I wish I had a Xander. You know what? He, You might bring him home and he's just not a good fit for your life. Yeah, you don't know me. <laughs> so obviously we can't control how anybody else reacts, but we just like to be super clear about saying like, we're not perfect. We're not trying to put ourselves out there to be perfect and not trying to set ourselves to be the gold standard. All right, so this is kind of a similar question too, but our last question here is, your relationship seems so happy. Would you still consider it taking work? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 110%. Yeah, I don't think the work in a relationship ever ends. I think that's probably one of the biggest fallacies out there, this idea that somehow once we're committed or once we're married, that the work ends that like, oh, well, you know, oh, I do things in courtship that I don't like. And and as soon as like the courtship is over, I don't have to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. It's hard work to live with another person and like share your whole lives and, you know, kind of create like a shared or like not a merged life, but like, you know, we have to deal with each other all the time and it's hard and also the reality is that you change throughout your relationship vanessa and i have been a number of different people like Mm -hmm. since we've met each other we've who i am now feels very different from the person who met vanessa Mm -hmm. however many years ago that was 14 15 oh how many years uh 14 (laughs) oh my god (laughs) putting you on the spot was something i didn't think it was (laughs) 14 years ago It'll be 15 in in December. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Close to a little more than 14 years ago. You know, if you need any proof of why it keeps needing work, it's because you're both going to continue to change. You're both going to continue to evolve. And so, yeah, you have to keep putting in work to make sure that the people that you're becoming, like, still love each other and are still interested in each other. Yeah, we put a lot of work into our relationship and it's really important to us to normalize that and also to like, 
uncover ways to make that feel more fun. So I'll be totally honest. There are some days where we're, you know, we're trying to communicate about something and we're just miscommunicating so badly. And I absolutely think to myself at times, like, how is it this much work to have one simple conversation? But we also try to think of like fun ways to put in work, like going on trips together and coming up with new things to do together and, you know, just being creative with each other. But yeah, there's absolutely a lot of effort that goes into our relationship and that's normal and healthy and a good thing. All right, let's do a lightning round. Okay. Just a couple questions. All right. Fast responses. Okay. How old were you when you first had sex with a partner, your sexual debut? I was 16. Backseat of my car at the drive-in movie theater. I was also 16 in my bed in my room while my parents were out. Sorry, mom and dad. Um, What are your Enneagram types? Oh, my God. I'm blanking. Um, you know my number. What is it? You're a nine. I'm a nine. I was going to say that. I was like, it's a nine or a three. I'm a three. Okay. <laughs> Morning person or night owl? Morning. Morning. And that's something that's changed. Yes, we absolutely. We used to be night owls, and now we're both on that morning train and loving it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure if I ever was really a proper night owl. Like, I, I feel like I always fancied myself a night owl, but... I fancy myself a night owl. But yeah, I, I've, I finally realized... <laughs> Thank God that I am really a morning person and uh, (laughs) my life has gotten much better once I came around to, okay, let's just do that. You can go to bed at nine. That's cool. You're going to be way happier. Oh yeah. We are definitely early birds. Do you have a TV in your bedroom? No. Hell no. We used to. We used to and we are very happy that we don't anymore. It uh, actually studies have shown that people who do not have a TV in the bedroom have more sex. That's definitely the case for us. And it also helps us sleep a lot better, too. Mm-hmm. Where would you live if not California? Last question. Oh, man, I that's hard. I mean, for me, it has to be somewhere I can surf. So it would probably be somewhere like Hawaii or Mexico or New Zealand. We do. love. Yeah, New you know, what? New Zealand, we went to New Zealand on our honeymoon and I would love to go back. We only saw a small slice of New Zealand, Mm -hmm. um, even though we were there for a while, because it's big. I would very happily live there. I'm going to say nowhere, because I... (laughs) I'm just oh. California girl for life. Yeah, I, I am too. I was I've been I was born and raised here and it has its challenges living here. It is real, real, real expensive. But um yeah, sometimes when you're just born and raised somewhere, it's hard it's hard to leave. It's hard yeah. to leave. It just feels like home. All right. Well, that is the end of our questions for today. We have a lot of other questions that we got asked too. And so if you guys want us to do a part two I will work on getting over myself <laughs> and think yeah, about it. Give, send but, Vanessa um, some compliments. <laughs> Tell her you actually want to hear about her. I'm very self-conscious about this. But we had other questions like, what do we fight about? Did we ever struggle with our sexual compatibility? Do we go to therapy? What does our family think about what we do? So if you want to hear the answers to those things, then let us know and maybe we'll do a part two. But otherwise, if you are not already following us on Instagram, and YouTube, please check us out there. We're on Instagram every day doing stories and we do YouTube videos once a week, every Tuesday about fun little topics. So check out both of those and follow us there. All right, well, that's it for today's episode of Pillow Talks. Thank you so much for listening and join us again next week. We can't wait. <laughs>